so this morning we have um, Andy Geddes from the Cinnamon Tree Bakery. Um, very delighted and pleased that Andy's able to join us this morning. Um, Cinnamon Tree Bakery has been trading at the famous Borough Market since 2008. Um, it was founded by um, life and business partners, actually, Andy um, Geddes and Nita. Um, and their range has grown to include rich buttery oat cakes, seeded flatbread, shortbread owls, I'm feeling hungry now, gingerbread men, as well as the, their famous um, cinnamon biscuits. Um, they're all handmade and baked in Camberwell, and they've established a reputation for ex exceptionally, extremely tasty, beautifully decorated biscuits and bars. Um, they're selling in South London and online as well. They've recently launched a new venture, um, Bakery's baking savoury crackers as a cracker kitchen. In his own words, Andy, thank you, um, he spent time after studying art at university, messing around in vans and on football pitches, uh, waiting for the post office and in high-tech manufacturing jobs. So after moving to London in 2006, that's when the Cinnamon Tree Bakery was born. Welcome to the webinar, Andy. All right, thanks, yeah, pleasure. Um, so, uh, yeah, tell me a bit more about what you were doing before you founded the Cinnamon Tree Bakery. Have you always wanted to start your own food business? No, no, not, not at all, really. In fact, um, starting a business was not something that would have been on, on my radar at all. Um, I studied art at university, um, very open-ended, creative kind of course. Do what mm -hmm. you want, you know, just explore the, the possibilities of different mediums, materials, got to know how to use a camera, computer, sculpture, all kinds of things really. I left university, I was still doing bits and pieces of art for galleries in Manchester and started working at the post office. Okay. Um, had had quite, a good, quite a good fun time there, very, very interesting culture, met lots of interesting people, trade union stuff. Yeah, played a lot of football. Um, Very good. And then I came down to London around 2006. Uh, I'd known Anita for a long time, but obviously, like we, we were kind of good friends. And then we were together shortly after that. And I started helping her with what was her first business at Borough Market, which okay. was kind of a, a, a resale business. Um, retail business selling Middle Eastern sweets, uh, baklava sweets and okay. um, mammal and dates and that type of stuff. Uh, very nice quality baked in London in Park Royal by a company called Sweetland who were quite an early inspiration for us. They supplied a lot of top restaurants, they supplied Harrods um, and then they supplied us, they were lovely guys used to drive drive round to our place, drop off the sweets into the back of our car and we would drive them up to Borough and set up set up a tri quite traditional looking stall at Borough, big piles of uh, big piles of baklava and it kind of did pretty well, you know. And then when I guess the opportunity to have our own stall came up, we we um we went for that and we actually almost immediately stopped doing the back of the stall just because the bakery was so much more creative and open-ended and offered a lot more possibilities to, to, yeah, to be creative and express ourselves. So we, we went fully into it and we left the other stall. It was consigned to history quite rapidly. Mm -hmm. 
So it was a, it wasn't really a light bulb moment as such. It was a no, not at all, not at all. It was very much just, you know, living life as it comes, having a good time, and then, I mean, I think there was something a bit fated about it, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And there was a bit in in family. My mum worked as a dessert chef and a baker. I mean, in a similar kind of way. It's almost the kind of job that is coming back now um, in the sense that it was kind of a side hustle for her. Um, right. She actually had a job in the local library in a town called Dalrai in Ayrshire. And she would bake bread and take it into the library and sell the bread kind of under the counter while working in, in the library. Oh, wow. Um, and then she would she would also bake desserts for a couple of local restaurants and sell the desserts to the to the restaurants and cafes and things. So, uh, so it was kind of in the family. And she was the first person who I called when I needed advice um, because she'd never done anything large scale, but she she was a very very good source of information for me in the early times of the bakery when I actually knew not nothing but very close to nothing about actually like how to either run a business or or kind of bake anything beyond a muffin and a sponge cake. You know, yes. she was quite, quite a switch from just buying buying goods to um, actually making them yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I did, as I said before, as well as the working for Royal Mail, I had done a few years working in manufacturing so the side of the business that I was strong on was like buying and ordering ingredients and setting up a sort of generic manufacturing space mm -hmm. and having a good workflow and being efficient and not losing things, you know, and keeping good track of, of where everything was at. So those kind of skills, I think, from manufacturing are very transferable into, into food production, definitely. Um, good organisation, you know, keep on top yeah. of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, um, where do you, where did you start making your products? Uh, originally, uh, originally we we were very lucky to get a a food unit which was already um, pretty much ready to go, which was in a sort of um, starter business units place in Camberwell called Bizspace. They, mm -hmm. they were in a few centres around South London, which are kind of flexible hire, you know, month by month type contract places. We got in a place straight away. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we were never in that situation. We were where we were baking from home, which like I would, um, I would like, if it's what you have to do, it's what you have to do. And I, I would never say to anyone, don't, don't do it. Even though like, I know, as soon as you are doing it, you probably either need to upgrade your your home kitchen quite quite quickly or or get out. So it's, it's a good way to start. But we were very fortunate to find a unit straight away. Somebody was vacating. We got in. The whole place was set up. Uh, we just started with, I think, a secondhand small Hobart twenty quart Hobart mixer mm -hmm. and a couple of kind of sort of almost domestic size ovens that you've just, you know, they just plugged into a 13 amp socket and they cost a huge amount of money to run. Right. And we, 
you know, and we actually had, they had such bad air circulation that every time you baked something, you did have to open the door and turn it right back to front halfway through every single bake that we did. So we had a lot of our time was spent opening and closing up and doors and turning trays around. And oh, gosh. You do what you have to do, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what were the first um, steps in developing your, your initial range, your first products? What were they? Oh, okay. Well, we actually started um, with some recipes that we had in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, some quite traditional biscuits, which we originally were kind of selling in packs. We were dividing them down into like like ginger snap size sort of biscuits and bagging them and selling packs. So we actually tried selling them loose the way we did the baklava, but it, that didn't work. So we quite quickly put them in packs. Um, the idea at first was going to be a biscuit pick and mix type thing. Um, but on a kind of damp day you couldn't sell the biscuits fast enough and we had to put them in packs and then we we kind of quite quickly moved from putting them in packs which was a lot of effort to making more chunky hand-sized cookies that we could sell along the same lines of the price of the brownies so we could still stick with a pick and mix idea we always kept everything the same price on the store because I like the simplicity of, oh, everything's a pound, you know, which I think originally it actually was, everything was a pound. Now everything's like three pounds 50, you know, prices have gone up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you were packing product by hand, were you? Yeah, we, we were doing everything by hand originally. I mean, actually, like the, the way that we've moved the kitchen on it felt at first like we could have been in the sort of 18th century, really. And then, you know, the first time we got a pastry roller, um, well, I mean, when we started with the gingerbread men, we were we were literally just rolling them out with a rolling pin and cutting them right. out. Right. And then, you know, the first pastry roller we got didn't plug into the wall. It was a big handle. You, you just wind the hand with one hand while you were shoving the dough through with the other. I mean, when we got that, it literally felt like a revolution we were like whoa this is amazing <laughs> and at the time like i don't know whether i didn't know about electric pastry rollers or i didn't like, we couldn't afford one we didn't we didn't get one anyway we didn't get one for ages we bought this one you know for about 50 pounds or something which was it was like completely ruined and it took a, an awful lot of like rust removal and respraying and stuff to get it going. But like, that's one thing that I did think was important for me to mention during this talk was mm-hmm. like, I don't like to see resources go to waste. And one of those things that I see kind of go into landfill all the time is these beautiful old machines, which are still yeah. like perfectly serviceable machines. Um, I've noticed a trend recently, actually, that the prices on some of these things are going up, but I still think it's possible to be imaginative and and pick something up like very cheap and get a huge amount of of use out of out of these type of. Things. I mean, food production equipment. Yeah, food production equipment. I, I often advise people to have a look at secondhand because um, 
often it's made of stainless steel and you know the fundamental body of a lot of this equipment goes on for a very long time yeah well i mean they they used to be made to such a high standard as well that like these these machines like um the pastry rollers i use i've always used hunts which are a company from bolton but the, the machine they're famous for is the uh their pie maker which is mm -hmm called the little champion or the cha or the champion if you go for the bigger model and it's like one of those badge making machines you get a big handle that you pull down but the whole thing's made from cast cast metal and it will never ever wet, wear out you could use it for a thousand years and it would still still be going yeah it was incredible you know when you think about the amount of labor that that is going to be saved by a machine like that it's phenomenal i think if you were like starting a pie business or something of that nature. Mm. Like you could go right back and pick up one of these old machines and it's, they're incredible. And they're actually like so much more soulful to use than some yeah. of the modern machines, which like they do, they, they do do a good job. But um, I guess like the purpose of, of every machine is to de-skill the job so you can get anyone to do the job. And so as a consequence, they're less soulful to use because you, you don't have that connection really with the machine that you, you do with the older machines. So like the guys that work at the bakery are still like very proud of their skill on the, on the pastry roller and stuff. Whereas like the more modern ones, you just type into a touchscreen how many millimeters thick you want your dough to be and it just goes and it's, it's done. And I mean, obviously like that's fantastic. Yes. You know, but somebody with the skill on the machine they can get to that level of skill and then just be incredibly proud that they're a skilled worker and you know <laughs> yeah. that like level level of pride in what you're doing yeah you know in in a lot of ways it begins to come through in every aspect of your work and you, you're not just like a generic worker you become more of a baker and you understand the processes and you're prodding the dough and making sure the dough is spot on and in the end that that comes through to everything of like when you're monitoring the ingredients that you're using and you pick up if something's the least bit wrong pick yes. it up, and you're not relying just on machinery to do the things so it's nice we i think we find a level now that we like to work at we do like a pastry roller to have a, a motor in it but but like i don't think we need to go much further than that because the quantities that we're producing and the, and the level of skill that we have to work with in the bakery we like how it is now that comment though that you know it's not all about how many million can you kick out every hour through um use of automation there's something different as well i think it's it's especially important when you begin to have people working for you and the difference between trying to work with and manage somebody that has pride in themselves and their trade and what they're doing yes and just shoving someone on the machine and just saying, oh, you just like pretty much stand by this machine and feed something in. Yeah. You know, there's a big difference. And, and like, yeah, we're kind of happy with where, where we've got things to and we're happy with our team and that, you know, just getting the right setup, the actual the level of technology that you, you decide to work at, or it's not even that you decide, you know, because you work your way up, I suppose. Most people... Yeah. Unless you're starting with investment and you're like, right, we're going to buy at least a load of equipment and stuff. If you're just starting and you're shopping on eBay or whatever, the good thing with like things like the Hunts machines is 
there's still because they're going to last forever you can still get parts there's a new company recently just set up who make the actual belts the belts that the dough runs on they wear out especially if you're using pastry cutters you roll the dough and then you're cutting 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 eventually you cut through the belt and the belt's knackered but you just go no you can just go and buy another one a couple hundred quid boom last you a few more years nice and uh you just keep going, you know. So it's like keeping the car going, keeping it on the road. If you've yeah. got a classic car, why would you just go and scrap it, you know? What's your approach been to adding new products um, as you've gone along? I mean, I'm not sure what you knew about your market and your potential customers. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty. I find it a really difficult process. What I'm, what I'm proud of is not always what I'll take up to the market and will sell. So you have to balance that idea that you know it's nice to be creative and express yourself with you want to put on a good display of bakery that is going to sell loads mm-hmm. um i mean i think things like the kind of classic you know we've been doing chocolate brownies since day one okay. but several iterations of brownie and sometimes we've innovated things and we've changed our process. Um, and other times we've been responding to the, to what's happening in the market and what people, I guess, you know, what people like seeing a food magazine or they see other bakeries doing and innovation that comes through, you do have to go with it. Otherwise your stuff kind of starts to lag behind. Yes. So, I mean, the sort of classic example, I suppose, is even though we use the same tray size, we used to put about two kilos of brownie mix in the tray, and now we put three kilos in the tray. So the brownie is like a good, a good couple of inches plus deep now, wow. um, because I mean, a lot of that is a kind of social media type people hold it up to the camera and it's like whoa look at the size of that you know which is like there's something a little bit grotesque about it but at the same time if you don't do it you're kind of out out of the picture really when it comes to selling brownies and so there is a little bit of a oh everything gets bigger Mm -hmm. Um, we've done I don't like icing right that's the thing I don't like doing I don't like food colouring I don't like, I don't like icing things. I like a sort of a thing that looks like the thing that it is in a way. Okay. You know, color, coloring, I'm definitely. People do what they're going to do, and like I know a couple of people who do like these brilliant colored cakes, unicorn cakes and stuff, and they look amazing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm happy to not do it, and just be more natural ingredients, natural look. Uh, but obviously, like, I do like to incorporate designs into things. So one, one thing that we did innovate was um, a kind of embossing technique where we would have a biscuit rolled out. We would emboss a design just purely with a stamp. Mm-hmm. And there's various ways you can get stamps made now, laser cut and engraved and the type of stamps that you use for printing and this type of things. Uh, wooden stamps you can get carved this sort of stuff and we would emboss the stamp and then we'd get like a kind of meringue type mixture 
and we would like squeegee it into what we had stamped and then bake the whole thing together. So when it came out, the design would be baked into the top of the biscuit. And uh, that, that's, that's kind of lovely. And we do, we do a lot of our kind of custom designs. We do like that. And you can either use this meringue or you can use like a, a cocoa based jaconde sort of paste um, to put a dark design on a light biscuit and the meringue would put a light design on a dark biscuit. And uh, that, that was our way around the icing problem that I don't like icing. And I, you know, <laughs> I find a way around it and it looks completely different. You know, it looks completely different. I think it came out being like very uniquely us. Um, it was recognizable. The cinnamon elephants were, were the first biscuit that we used that and we used a copy of a textile, an Indian textile stamp, which would have been to put a sort of wax resist Indian print onto onto a fabric. And we had that copied and then we were using that to make the elephants. And that 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 got a good reception. But that was always one which people would see it on the store and they go, Oh, look at that, that looks so beautiful. And yeah. then buy a chocolate brownie. You know, so it was almost a marketing. It became, I didn't, you know, I thought they tasted lovely, but people would always be drawn to the store. Doesn't that look great? And then they go and they buy what they are familiar with. And that would be like a gingerbread or a brownie. So sometimes that's how, that's how it goes. No, but that sounds amazing. I combining yeah. your creativity with, with the food is fantastic. Um, actually, I'm going to throw in, I've had a question from Krishma, thank you. Um, just asking, um, who's very complimentary about your inspiring approach to food. Um, she was asking about how you make decisions on pricing for your products. Uh, okay. Um, well, that's, that's um, you're better to ask someone who's got a bit of a more worked out approach to pricing <laughs> than myself and Anita, because when we started, we kind of used the basic, like, can we pay everyone and buy the ingredients and still have enough to live on at the end of the month? Okay. And like, as long as it's working, we never really looked too deeply into having a structured way of working out our pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of lucky that like, we're not relying on getting all our customers under our, under our own steam, you know, because we've been on a few good markets. Mm -hmm. um, we've always been at Borough until recently. We, we've been on a couple of Hackney markets and things and like the customers will come and we sell a fair bit of stuff. And yeah, as long as there's, as long as there's enough money coming in to cover everything, mm -hmm. and we're like very lucky that the, more or less always has been and we've been able to just move on with doing the kinds of things we want to do and eventually saving up to do other things you know then it's been fine but but i think like if if your finances were a bit more under pressure yeah. i'm probably not the person to to ask about that because my 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 kind of strategy is has not really had a chance to be put under any serious stress well, that's that's good. And so you're you're finance wise, and you've always self-funded. Always, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something I'm actually looking at now. Um, that there's a 
when now we're moving on to the, the cracker business, which like yeah. is a completely different mindset because we are actually kind of taking on a different sort of a challenge and saying, okay, let's treat this less like a trade that we're in and more like a business where mm-hmm. we, we do want to think about scaling by multiples of 10, you know, or can we sell 10 times as many crackers next year as we sold this year? And yes. obviously you can't just do that through organic growth and spending your own money. So so it has mm-hmm. entered the picture that like it, the possibility that we, we might be looking for an investor has has come up but um it's not something we've done as yet we've always spent our own money and just carried on yeah and that's good to hear i mean people have very different approaches to scaling you know, I know. Like, yeah well yeah. it can be massive it, it does vary a lot and it has to suit you yeah well i mean there's 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 a lot of different aspects to it i suppose but but one for us is like uh machinery wise i think looking at making the crackers if we did want to keep the production you know within our own within our own production there's maybe only one machine on the market that looks like it might do the job and it costs a lot more money than i'm ever going to be able to raise and so like if, if we did want to go forward with putting together a production facility you know we'd, we'd need more cash than i'm ever going to have so that that then opens the door doesn't it to like well yes. if you do want to carry out that plan Maybe you maybe you need to get out there and and uh, start pitching for some for some money. And I never feel com- entirely comfortable doing that because that's so far out of my comfort zone that mm. you know, like I can kind of just thinking about it, it's like nerves get jangling, you know. Yeah. I like to be in control. It's always like just been being an eater. No, that's fair enough. That's yeah, fair enough. yeah, it's it's that's a hard one as a scale up. Yeah, yeah, no, I can really feel it. But that's the thing, it's it's like um I think we could probably just take along and do the cinnamon tree stuff and just sort of get through our working lives quite happily, but we've decided to take on an, another challenge and try and do something different and see see how it feels and how far we get with it, you know. That's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm very aware it's it's we've got a few minutes to go. Um, if anyone's got any questions for Andy, please um, you can put them in the chat or you can unmute. Um, I've probably got thousands more questions, so uh, I shall hand over. Hi Mel, it's James. How are you doing? Hi James. Um, hi Andy, you're right. I'm good, mate. How's it going? Good, thank you. Yeah, um, I know Mel. We do a bit of work together, but uh, I um, I work with startups and also with larger companies. But interesting. Um, uh, what would be the advice you'd give a startup? Because working with startups, they've got very different um, um, ambitions or investment. And what would be your kind of three big nuggets you would say to somebody starting out from scratch? Right. Okay. Um, I mean, I think my first one would really be have an idea what you want out of it. Uh, when we started Cinnamon Tree when we got to the point where I could see that it was going to be a viable long-term job for me and Anita to do, I was very content with that. Whereas I think other people, other people that I know when they've got to that point have been very frustrated that that's as far as it was going to go. Yeah. Um, 
So I think like having, yeah, having an idea like what you would be happy with at the outset, especially in a trade like bakery where um, because I'm the producer and I guess like I've kind of given a, a little taste of it, but like a good day working on a pastry roller and making a thousand gingerbread in a day, that's a good day for me. You know, whereas I think I, there are other people that even if they started out like that, like very early on in the mission, they'd want to get someone else. They'd either want to outsource the production or get someone else doing the, the manual work. I've always been a manual worker. I love it. I yeah, love using my yeah. hands, you know. Um, it's a very interesting one because I work with a company that everything is outsourced and another company which is everything is made in-house. And interesting, the one who makes in-house are a lot more passionate, more interested in their brands. Um, yeah. a lot more feeling for it okay yeah yeah and we often get um, people that get to the point where they've been making a thousand a day and then like right we need help scaling up now yeah or they're fed, they're up, fed, up. fed up with it or they want to take it further yeah. so yeah yeah like i mean when i got to the point where we were making those kind of quantities i was just thinking oh this is great because i'm earning decent money now and this yeah. is a good job job you know yeah. um i think um yeah, the, the the second one of those would be like let your brand really be something that is honestly representing the type of person you are and gives a feel of integrity and isn't um, too overly engineered to a particular market or anything like that, but let it be an, again like a an expression of something genuine about yourself or about your community that you, you're coming from and representing. Um, I kind of did all our graphic design and everything. I mean, I kind of had the skill set to do it, but I think even if I even if I didn't, I would have tried to do it anyway. That's the type of, type of business it was at the beginning. But I think you've got to just try and have fun. When you'd have to do everything yourself, try and have fun doing those things. And, you know, if there are things that are really not fun, as soon as you can get someone else to do them, get someone else, yeah. get someone else to do them. You know, I mean, that, that is a tip for me. I was just saying before this, the, uh, the Zoom started that, like, I was briefly sucked into kind of regularly participating in Instagram and social media. Um, and then after a bit, I kind of dropped that. And now we've got the cracker thing, which we are kind of trying to expand and be a lot more open and expansive and grow well beyond the sort of borough market base. One of the first things we've done is get someone else to do it. And when I see what they're, what they're coming out with, they've been so good. I'm just really happy to see it coming out, but but I didn't enjoy the process. So um, if you don't yeah. enjoy the process, don't, don't do the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of two, isn't it? Two is enough. Two is enough. Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thanks, James. All right, cool. Uh, all right, Thank you, let me just take one last question that um, Rebecca's put in the chat. Um, she's asking, do you source organic supplies at all? Is it a problem? Is it a problem with being close to London for that? Um, it's no, it's not. We we use um, we use Suma for organic mm -hmm. rye flour and Dove's Farm and this kind of thing. Um, for bulk ingredients like like flour, uh, you you can just get especially if you've got rooms. See, that's the thing. Like 
the thing about being in London is having the space. Like we're quite lucky having moved, we've moved unit now into a an ex pub, and we have quite a bit of space. So it's no problem for us to order a pallet of flour and bring in a pallet. In which case, you know, most of the most of the flour that's milled, you can you can get hands on a pallet. Um, yeah, it is it is sometimes problematic for kind of smaller ingredients, but more the thing that makes it more problematic is the price and then achieving that price at the market, which is why as a bakery, we're, we're not an organic bakery. I think you have to balance quality of ingredients with affordability for consumers. And for us, in the end, we decided not to, not to be organic. Oh. All right, well, thank you very much, everyone. Really appreciate it. Um, um, I'm, We've just put um, the contact for Cinnamon Tree Bakery in the chat if anyone wants to um, contact directly. And we'll be yeah, that, that's fine. Was that the good, was that the good 60? Yes. Um, yeah, okay. That's the Borough Market online. So there's a lot of fantastic producers you can buy through Good 60 who are well worth supporting there at Borough. Um, so just remain to say thank you very much, Andy. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's been nice. I hope like there was maybe like one or two useful little somethings in there for someone. Hope so. Yeah, several several very positive comments about it. Yeah, you have a very re refreshing approach to quote um, Rebecca. So thank you very much and have a great weekend, everyone. All right. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website www.frockhop.co.uk. You can book a free of charge introductory call at www.cop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.frogcop.co.uk forward slash resources. <laughs>